White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Right after, grand slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. This is going to be a Mailbag Monday episode, but something happened today. My name is Herb Lawrence. With me today, and always, is Chris Tannehill. How you doing, Chris? Um, doing pretty well today. Yeah, the mailbag, um, we, we canceled the mailbag today. It had some uh, racist and homophobic tweets, and we had to cancel it. Um, maybe we'll do Talk to Us Tuesday or What Up Wednesday. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll change it up. We still have your your, your messages, and uh, I was going over them last night. There's some good stuff in there that's not necessarily pertinent to today's news, uh, but good stuff nonetheless. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that at a later date, and... Uh, Rick Hahn spoke today, Herb, and some White Sox. What did Sox. he talk about today? Um, well, he was talking about how um, uh, Andrew Vaughn may come up next year, and uh, he, he may be the DH, but they're not sure. A uh, pretty big story I think, today. <laughs> I do remember him talking a little bit about Garrett Crochet and maybe a little bit about Madrigal. I mean, he was really oh, yeah. talking about the 2021 White Sox. He was very in- uh, into it today. I don't know what else happened. Today. Yeah, yeah. Nick, Nick Madrigal passed away. Um, he, he he died <laughs> in the middle of second and third base, uh, not picking up the third base coach. He just no one noticed, but he just he died out there, and just he's still there. Maybe uh, I don't know. The A's never went back to check on him. Neither the White Sox. No, but of course the big news of the day: Rick Renteria is out. He is fired as White Sox manager. Uh, after a 236 and 309 record, a 433 winning percentage, he is fired after four seasons with the White Sox. The White Sox will be moving on from him and also moving on from pitching coach Don Cooper, who has been with the White Sox since 2002 and, of course, uh, was the pitching coach for the great 2005 championship team. Four complete games in the ALCS in 2005, one of the greater accomplishments you'll probably never see again in this lifetime. And, uh, you know, he, he presided over many great pitching staffs over the years with the White Sox. That was their calling card for many years. When they weren't hitting, they were definitely pitching most of the time. But uh, they're both gone, and you'd have to assume the rest of the coaching staff as well. Well, we'll, we'll start with Ricky here, Herb. You know, I, I was surprised to hear this news today. What about you? Very surprised. And before we get started in the actual news of it, folks, we're never, I don't think we're ever going to call things that we do here as an emergency. Never (laughs) is there an emergency podcast. If you see one of those things, run away. Do not listen to that because they're just trying to get you to click on something. I if everything's an emergency, that means nothing is. So absolutely, calm, yeah, calm down with it. That's why we're here. You know, we're your only daily uh, podcast. You know, talking about your Chicago White Sox. So in the off season, we won't be here every day, but we'll certainly be here more often than uh, than some of our our 
uh, some of our uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? We'll, we'll be here more than some of our colleagues. So we'll be here more often than some of our colleagues will. Uh, but that's the difference. That's the locked on White Sox difference. But yeah, you know, emergencies here. I, I will say this. You know, I, you know, uh, I don't have many regrets in my life. One of them, uh, why wasn't I born uh, handsome instead of rich? Um, <laughs> but the other being that I wish that I would have bet you. An official steak dinner uh, that night after that that Cleveland loss when I said, my gut says that Rick Renteria is not coming back next year. After watching that game play out where Rick Renteria brought in Carlos Rodon in a high leverage spot after not pitching uh, in a month and never pitching in relief in his career, my gut, everything that happened after that game and seeing Ozzy and Frank talk about it in the postgame and see Dallas Keuchel talk about in the post game about how starters are starters for a reason and relievers are relievers for the same reason. So I wish I would have just really dug in and bet you, uh, you know, but I'm so goddamn insecure. I did not make that bet, but nonetheless, uh, Rick Renteria will not be back next year. And your, my surprise level was, was very high. I, I, you know, before we continue on. So you, uh, like me, were also surprised that they decided to make this move today. Multiple reasons. I had pretty much said it on this podcast that he's not getting fired said it on twitter i'll take my l on that because the white Sox history and jerry reinsdorf seems to be hey we're not gonna be firing guys especially one that just took us to the playoffs after a long drought and it seemed like you know the loyalty would be there but loyalty be damned it looks like a leaf is turning all over the reinsdorf companies you see uh, Billy Donovan getting a job over there with the Bulls, and he's firing all the assistant coaches, which would have never happened under a real Jerry Reinsdorf regime, even though Michael's running it now. And the same thing here. Not just the Ricky part. The part that surprised me is Don Cooper. An institution. He's been with the White Sox organization for 30-plus years. With the White Sox as a coach, I think, as a pitching coach for the last 20 Yeah, plus. yeah he's had the same gig for more than half my life uh, as White Sox pitching coach and been with the organization longer than that. But I, I just thought that Don Cooper would be here forever. And mm-hmm. and he certainly uh, got more receptive to, to the advanced metrics and rap soto and spin rate and all that stuff. And maybe it was too little too late. But, I yeah, that was the one that surprised me the most. But we'll get to Coop in a second, and we may even – have a separate episode dedicated to Coop. But, yeah, man, this is just a surprising move. And getting back to your Reinsdorf point, like, you know, this is an organization who has always done things the same way. You know, you talk about Reinsdorf being loyal to a fault and, and bringing back old players to to fill out managerial positions and keeping guys on the, on the coaching staff. Because, oh, who cares? You know, you bring in a new manager, but let's keep all the coaches there because who cares? And they're good guys, and I like them, and they're good baseball people. But, you know, you don't empower the people that you put in those positions of power when you do stuff like that. So, again, that was – I thought – you, you mentioned it just now that after a winning season, after making the playoffs for the first time in 12 seasons, it would have been very easy for them to say, you know what, guys, Sox fans, you know, this is a year filled with so much uncertainty with COVID and all the protocols, and it was an a unreasonably difficult year to manage groups of people. And for the most part, this, you know, the Sox obviously did not have any outbreaks in the, in the middle of the season, 
which is why we talked about it before. You know, when they go into making this decision, I thought they would take that into account, but apparently they did not. It would have been very easy for them to say, you know what, we we were we stayed out of the national spotlight as far as embarrassment goes. We almost won our division by one game. We made the playoffs. You should be happy with that. And I, I thought they would be, it would be very easy for them to to come back and you know just say, you know what. Uh, we just can't, in our heart of hearts, fire Rick Renteria after that season that was presented in front of us. But they did it, and you know, firing Coop too surprising for sure. But yeah, it just I did not think that they would do this. I did not think that they had it in them. And it, basically, what I my takeaway from this whole thing is this is a different organization than the organization we went to bed <laughs> with last night, so to speak. You know, that the way they operate today is much different than the way they had been operating pretty much my entire life. Was that sort of your takeaway in this whole thing? It seems like they they know what they have with their roster and they're not taking any chances going forward with who is going to be at the at the manager spot for 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 this roster. Is that sort of your takeaway that they seem different now after making this move? This was kind of like a a game changer for the organization. Yeah, it seems like I don't know if it's Rick Hahn um finally wresting control away from everybody in that organization or Jerry Reinsdorf allowing Rick Hahn to do what he wants to do because yes, it is totally different. Gone is Rick Renteria. Me, you know, I already know my thoughts on it. I'm happy that, you know, they see something that was wrong and they believe that they can fix it with different guy, different manager. I don't know who there's candidates. We'll get to them later, but, it is a different day. That's why when I saw that Don Cooper was fired along with Ricky Renteria, I was like, this is a total organizational change. And I am so excited to see them go forward in this next move because this move says you're competing. You're competing for a world championship. It says that, hey, the playoffs, great. We love them. But we're looking for the next thing, and this guy cannot take us to the next level. And the next level past playoffs, for me, is the World Series. I mean, just just making the ALCS or something like that, I don't think that will be satiating enough for this, for this uh, fan base and for the organization. If you're saying that Ricky Renteria cannot come back after a 60-game season, all we've dealt with, that means that you think that you're the, the stuff and you're ready to compete next year. So to do that, you see the pitching staff, you got to get you got to get some upgrades there. And you see the right fielder, you got to get an upgrade there. You see the rest of the holes in the lineup, get an upgrade there. And that tells me that yeah, while they did talk about money constraints about COVID and uncertainties for next year, firing Ricky Renteria means that you are a championship contender, and you hold them to that standard. At least I will. I will too. And let's let's hear from Rick Hahn a little bit here. Um, my the first thing I, that popped in my mind is okay. Will will Rick Hahn address the why? And here's basically what he said in regards to why they decided to make the move when they did. This is obviously a, not an easy decision for any of the parties involved to come to. You will not hear me, nor do I suspect anyone with the organization to share with you anything negative about Ricky Renteria in terms of factors in this decision. We've had conversations, Ricky and I, Jerry and Ricky, Kenny and Ricky, for literally years 
about how the final stages of this will go. And over the last few months and weeks, Ricky and I have had very candid conversations about where we're at as an organization and what we need to do to get to the next level. And again, we mutually decided that now is the right time to uh, make the change in that position. So my immediate reaction was, okay, I still want to know. There's a lot of unanswered questions here. I still want to know who was in charge with starting Dane Dunning in that game three, the game that they eventually lost to the Oakland A's and sent them home packing for the offseason. And Rick Hahn spoke to that, and he said it really wasn't about one thing. This isn't about any of the decision-making in game three of the wild card series. This isn't about anything that happened over the last couple of weeks after we clinched our position into the playoffs. This is again, based upon where we are as an organization and what we need to do to take that next step uh, and putting us in the best position to succeed. I was really surprised that that question was not asked to Rick Hahn today, if that was a collaborative decision. And, and I don't want to dwell too much on one thing and now that the season's over, but I think it matters. No one asked Rick Hahn if that was Rick Renteria's decision to start Dane Dunning in that game three or if that was a collaborative decision. Because you'd think that the GM would chime in with that. Would you, would you not in terms of who's going to be, be responsible for whether or not you go home packing early or not? I mean, that would have been into the, hey, should we trade a guy for a third starter type of conversation? Because at the time, I still at the time, right now, I applaud them for not trading for a third starter. But that conversation had to happen. They said they sat down with seven people, including Rick Renteria, Kenny Williams, and a couple of leaders from the team. That had to happen there, and it had to happen before game three. Okay, theoretically, who are we going to start? Oh, man, Cease is looking all right right now, but he's a rookie or a second-year player, maybe not in a third game, a deciding game, should we have him out there. Dang Dunning, same thing. And that should have happened on trade deadline, and 100%, I am 100% sure that Rick Renteria, Rick Hillon, and maybe even Kenny Williams and the rest of the brain trust – got together and said, we should start this guy, this guy, or this guy. There's no way that they let all those decisions, especially eventually firing that guy, be let that guy make that decision before the game. They probably did everything they could do to micromanage his decisions before the game, and whatever he does during the game is on him. But before the game, they wanted to take control of everything. And there's 100% certainty on my part, with knowing nothing additional, that they had that conversation. Yourself? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to, unless this was sort of like they, they wanted enough uh, leeway. They wanted to give themselves, the White Sox, an, enough room where they can give uh, Rick Renteria um, enough you know, decision-making power when they knew the right decision was not to start Dane Dunning, you know, I think maybe the truth is always somewhere in between what I always say. I think maybe they probably saw the, the quick hook of Dane Dunning and they probably thought that was more egregious than, than actually just starting him in the game because they probably had the same thought process that we thought watching that game. Like, man, now you're burning through all your good arms so early in this game that you have no real chance to close the game out. So I, I don't know what, what factored into that, but you know, one of the knocks on Rick Renteria, of course, was a combination of him not being a numbers guy and him trotting out bad lineups. And the lineup thing, you know, 
it's proven to not really matter that much. And ultimately, you're you're sticking with guys that your GM gives you. And I remember August of 2019, August of last season, when the Sox still were messing around with guys like Yonder Alonso and John Jay and you know, they're trying to rebuild, but they lured these guys here in hopes of bringing in Manny Machado, and it didn't work out. But they still managed to get a lot of playing time, even as they struggled. Uh, John Jay, not as much as Yonder Alonso, but Yonder Alonso hitting fourth. Uh, Abreu not hitting higher in the lineup as we would have wanted to see. So Rick Renteria one day in Detroit just went off on uh, on his critics, and people say that he's not receptive to numbers. A lot of it has to be trust. Uh, most people want to go through just statistically uh – based uh, decisions um, okay I'm not that guy I trust myself and the things that I do so I, I think there's a balance I don't discount numbers never have never will but I'm a balanced guy and so I'm not gonna appeal to the sabermetrician on a daily basis never will never want to not my intent if they don't like it I don't really give a I do things because I think it's the right thing for me to do. Uh, I know everybody has their opinion. Maybe it puts me in the outs. That's fine. But I'm going to do what I think I need to do with the guys that I have. I know my guys. Yeah. So, again, you know, it's fine. What are you going to do? He says you're not going to appeal to the sabermetrician every day. But isn't that the whole point? Is that they bring you the numbers and the best case scenarios and they they run through these algorithms and they play these variations of games like hundreds of thousands of times and they spit out the result that's the most likely outcome. So either you're going to pay attention to them or you're not. But, you know, I'll say this about Rick Renteria. You know, he was brought in in 2017 to, to sort of fortify the culture here. And, and I think he did that job. You know, he took over for Robin Ventura. And that 2016 was just an epic collapse. Uh, you, you know, the Chris Sale uh, jersey cutting incident uh, was you know, the thing that launched this whole thing. It's the, the reason why they, they have such a good roster now. It launched the rebuild. But not having control of the clubhouse. And, of course, who could forget the the whole Todd Frazier, Jimmy Rollins, Adam LaRoche, Drake LaRoche incident uh, that happened earlier on in that season. You know, at Chris Sale, MF, and Kenny Williams. That was under Robin Ventura's watch. So he came in in a bad spot. And his lone job was to fortify the culture and to bring these young guys along and sort of be a kick in the ass when you needed it. Because you remember early on in Renteria's managing career, you know, Jose Abreu would dog it on occasion and he pulling Jose Abreu from a game uh, for dogging it and be a kick in the ass when you need it, but also be, uh, you know, a, a listening teacher role model when you needed it as guys like Moncada start to come up and other guys start to make their debut. That's all important. But I think when it's all said and done, we all knew this day was going to come. We were hoping that maybe they can catch lightning in a bottle this year, and Rick Renteria could get his uh, get his World Series trophy. And you know, you feel bad about what happened with him at the Cubs, but ultimately, this it was not in the cards. And I think we all knew it from day one. He tried to change his style, like you saw it this year with you know his. I look actually looked it up. His sacrifice bunt rate went down from like two point six percent last year to just point two percent. So either he saw the writing on the wall or he realized, like, hey, I actually have some horses out there this year, so I'm going to change my style a little bit. But you still saw some of these bad lineups rolled out there, which, again, I think it, there's a mutual there, – there's there's dual culpability here with him and Rick Hahn. 
putting Encarnacion uh, in your clubhouse and you expect him to break out of it. And Rick Renteria is just putting him in a position to succeed, just like with Nomar Mazzara. That that Rick Renteria didn't ask for those guys, you know. But he put him out there in the best spot to succeed, and ultimately it didn't work out. But we're gonna take a quick break here, and when we're done, we're gonna talk about some of the names that are on the White Sox list or who we think names should be on the White Sox list for next manager in 2021. This episode of Locked On White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bar has an amazing 18 flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors if you got allergies, including their six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And of course, they've got your favorites that you know, that I know, the ones that I love so much, of course, being German chocolate, banana bread, mint brownie, orange, toffee almond, raspberry. Built Bars are always 100% covered in chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They're not all grainy and and crunchy like some of those other protein bars. They're just so smooth and so delicious. And most importantly, they're healthy. They're great if you're a health-conscious guy or gal on the go, perfect for maintaining or losing weight while still indulging in those delicious sweet treats that you and I love so much. They are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great if you're doing the keto diet. For example, one of their new flavors, Cherry Barcia, Check this out. A whopping 17 grams of protein packed in just 130 calories with only 4 grams of sugar and 4 grams of net carbs. That's pretty good. And to top it all off, Built Bar's got a special promotion for you, the Locked On White Sox listener. Right now, they're offering a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So just go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. All right, so some of the interesting names here for the next White Sox manager, one of the the name that everyone keeps mentioning today because of Dallas Keuchel being the first one to come out today on Twitter and saying big things ahead for the White Sox. He comes out and says that today, so you have to expect that Dallas Keuchel is going to have a big hand in this decision on who's going to be next White Sox manager. And, of course, all roads lead back to his former skipper in Houston, A.J. Hinch. Now, I don't remember if we talked about him on this podcast or not. We talked so much about the Sox on 6-7 of the score and off the air. But your thoughts on A.J. Hinch coming in off the Astros cheating scandal after his one-year suspension. He's not allowed to commit to anything until after the World Series. Uh, What do you think about the Sox bringing in A.J. Hinch to be their next skipper? I am not a fan at all. I don't know if A.J. Hinch can manage. Like They're calling him a guy with a championship pedigree, but we all know that championship is tainted. So can he, can he manage, can he lead men to the next level, but he can't stop men from cheating from an elaborate cheating scheme, letting one of the veteran players take over his whole team in college Beltron and allow that happen under his watch. Yeah. I know people get second chances and I hope he does get one of them. I just have my druthers. I don't want him be managing on my favorite team. And I'll let it be known when he does get hired because I think that is where that um, Rick Hahn is going to go, him or Alex Cora, both big-time cheaters. I want a huge mea culpa because you've seen none of that stuff from the Houston Astros culture. Even the guy like Dallas Keuchel said maybe one thing and then kind of bragged a little bit on his uh, introductory press conference or when the uh, Astros thing was found out. So, no, I don't want him. Let it be known. 
If it turns out to be a good manager and whatever that means, fine. But also, I want this team to have a culture. I want this team to have an identity about themselves. We win, but we win with integrity. We win with um, by doing stuff by the book. And if we're just going to go and get the guy that is supposed to be the best, I want that guy also to be clean. I want him to not have excuses. I don't want my players to be caught up with his mess. Maybe they feel that A.J. Hinch didn't pay enough a stiff enough penalty and they're hitting our players to pay him back or they're doing things to our players to pay him back. And we get the stink of the Houston Astros thing on us, which I don't want. I want this title to be titles to be untainted. And I don't feel like A.J. Hinch has been punished enough. I don't think that he has enough remorse. And maybe on his introductory press conference, he'll have a remorseful sounding uh, apology. But until then, I'm good on both those guys. Yeah, it's the same logic as you would apply to the steroid users of uh, the 90s and early 2000s where it's like, well, you know, I, I don't know what what's real. I don't know what I can believe here. Like, I don't know how much is your natural ability to be a leader and be respected in the clubhouse. And I don't know how much of this is just because you were cheating, you know, I, but you have the luxury of how, having Dallas Keuchel there. They'll tell you what kind of guy. AJ Hinch is, but you have to believe that there's other guys in the clubhouse who have ties. Like you think about Grandal, who was on the opposite side of that. What does he think about that? I mean, that's a guy who you have a lot of money invested in. And you just have to wonder, you know, what's that going to do to attract someone like Trevor Bauer? Now, I'm just going to put it on the record right now. I don't think that they're going to go after Trevor Bauer, Bauer, even though his one-year deal, which is reportedly what he's looking for, would be ideal for the White Sox philosophy of not signing pitchers to long-term contracts. But I just don't think financially they'll be in the market for that one year. I, I think maybe they'll go after someone like Stroman, which I'd be happy to settle for. But now I'm thinking maybe we won't have to settle. Maybe this is a team who knows that they're in their window and they should do everything they can to advance their team uh, in closer attempt to a World Series championship. So maybe they're, they're going to prove us all wrong, but I have my doubts. Uh, other guys that you could think of maybe on the list here, you know, Terry Francona is still with the Cleveland Indians. Um, you have to think with the White Sox making the move the way they did, they know they realistically have a shot at someone who's a clear upgrade over Rick Renteria. So I'm going to say Terry Francona and think maybe there's some possibilities there because he finished out the last year of his contract. They've got Sandy Alomar waiting in the, in the wings there. Terry Francona has been there since 2012, almost a decade, and maybe he thinks it's time to move on. I don't know what his health situation is like, but what do you think of a guy like Terry Francona maybe moving on to uh, to a different uh, change of scenery there with Cleveland, knowing that they have a guy who's more than capable and Sandy Alomar there ready to take his spot? I have nothing but respect for Terry Francona and his players, everybody who plays for him, down to Michael Jordan, who played for him in the minors, have nothing but great things to say about Tito Francona. Pedigree, his dad played in the league, he played in the league, uh, managed at Boston, did a great job there, has taken Cleveland to the next level. I just think he's a great choice. If that is available to the White Sox, I jump all over it. He would be much, way ahead of A.J. Hinch, even all things being equal. Even if A.J. Hinch didn't have any cheat stench on him, I'm going Tito Francona. That guy knows how to manage a clubhouse. He knows how to get people together, bring people together. Look all the diverse uh, uh, personalities he had to deal with Boston and Cleveland now. So 
um, this whole situation that happened in Cleveland. I know Sandy Alomar did uh, quell all the situation, but I think the leadership from Terry Francona led the let uh, Sandy Alomar Jr. do what he had to do to get Cleveland in the situation to be second place in the in the AL Central. So yeah, he lets his lieutenants do the job, and eventually Sandy Alomar Jr. will become a a nice manager. Brad Mills, who left them initially for a job was also a nice manager, and then he got fired. Uh, but I think Tito's not long for this game, and it's probably got like five, ten more years, but he can get some nice lieutenants ready for the next level. How long have we had Super Joe McEwing on our team, and how long has been rumored to go somewhere else and never has? That's, you know, that's stagnation. Just We like our own guys and that insular um, thought process of a Jerry Reinsdorf team where – we think our own guys are great, and we give them promotions up the ladder. Terry Francona gets their guys ready to go to the next level and gets those guys ready for um, managing situations. And if he needs to have a stead where he has to be out because of sickness, those guys can get the job done, and that's what I want. I want a team that has a culture that is set by that manager, not necessarily wins and losses, just Hey, this is how we do baseball. This is how under, understand. This is how we do pickoffs. This is how we do uh, fielding practice for pitchers. This is how we do hitting, and just set the tone for everybody. Understand that I'm the boss. I'm going to be here for a while, and I've got the skins on the wall to prove it. Yeah, one thing that that I find really interesting about all this is Reinsdorf signing off on it, which leads me to believe that he's familiar with someone who's on their radar, whether it be Terry Francona, who he would have known for being in the Sox organization and just being around baseball for as long as they both have. And, you know, you just think about that factor to it. Maybe, you know, Kenny talked him into A.J. Hinch, both having the Stanford connection. So maybe there's something there. Maybe, you know, K-Dubs vouching for A.J. Hinch. But um, there's another guy that was on the White Sox radar for many years, and it was reported today uh, by Bob Nightingale uh, that you shouldn't rule out Tony La Russa. Mm. who, of course, managed the the White Sox team uh, to their winning ugly uh, division championship, their AL West championship in 1983. And he's a guy that was fired by Hawk Harrelson, and along with uh, Dave Duncan was also out. Jim Leland was on that staff. He was out, and they, they had a pretty good thing brewing. And, of course, after Tony La Russa leaves the White Sox, he goes on to sort of reinvent uh, the modern game uh, by by doing the 7-8-9 uh, bullpen setup there. Uh, at least he'll tell you that he, he reinvented the game. I always remember him, though, as a guy who uh, fell asleep in his truck in Florida in 2007. When I tell you to begin, I want you to close your eyes and tilt your head back. And I want you to recite the English alphabet from A to Z in a non-rhythmic manner. Don't sing it. Any questions about that? Okay, you may begin. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, I, Z, M, N, O, P, D, Q, R, S, T, U, V, V, Z, T, U, V, X, Y, X, Z. Okay, Mr. Larissa. At this time, I ask you to turn around and put your hands behind your back for me, okay? Being placed under arrest with the charge of DUI. Back here for me, sir. Let me, let me ask you two questions. Yes, sir. Please. The guy on the radio says something about not being cooperative. Is he talking about me? No, no. No, that was okay. another call. All right, secondly, there's a difference between being asleep at the wheel and passed out the wheel. Okay. I would challenge passed out. 
Now, he would challenge passed out. That's a guy who's always one step ahead in the thinking. Even even when he's intoxicated in his vehicle, he's trying to manage his way out of the situation. I like it. But when I heard that, I was just like, oh, God. Tony Larusa hasn't he's been out of the game for a decade already and granted he won his World Series championships in St. Louis but come on man that that can't be real this this has to be a thing where Bob Nightingale floats this out there so I don't know if if it's to sort of I don't know ease us into the idea of AJ Hinch but uh yeah I'm I'm not a fan of this I have no idea where it came from and I have no idea why anyone thinks we would want Tony Larusa managing the White Sox well, I got an answer for you on the Tony Russo questioning and uh, being a step ahead of that uh, officer there. Yeah, he earned he earned his juris doctorate from Florida State University. That's oh. why he's a, a trained <laughs> lawyer. Well, I don't know if he ever practiced being a, a lawyer, but he did get his uh, FSU juris doctorate. So, um, yeah, he's way past the, his prime. And no, I do not want him. He's a Hall of Famer for a reason, but the game has passed him by. That thing has to be a joke. The person that <laughs> sent that out to Rob Nightingale had to be driving drunk or something else on crack because there's no way Marion Barry anybody anybody within the White Sox. I mean, would you I don't even know like I know White Sox would take Tony Russo, seventy six year old Tony Russo over Ricky Renteria probably ninety nine over a hundred times if you can get that Tony Russo Cardinals A's guy. But that guy's gone. That guy's way gone. We already saw uh, signals of him not being the guy he used to be late in his Cardinals career. And if you believe some of the stories down there in Arizona, he's meddled up up there when uh, I think Dave Stewart made him uh, like an advisor down there. So I'm not too fond on Tony Russo. And if they were to, you know, tell me that we fired Ricky Renteria for Tony Russo, I'd be like, why? But why? I'm not a Ricky Renteria guy, but no one coming into a clubhouse going to know Tony La Russa. No one of these guys are. They're not going to respect a dude that hasn't managed since when? 2011? Most of those guys were little leaguers. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, there no one wa- wants that. And, and yeah. yeah, he's, I mean, yeah. Get us, get us back to 2000s, mid-2000s. I'll have Tony La Russa. But well, this is old White Sox mentality of, Recycling a guy that used to work out, a guy you know, a friend, and hiring that guy to be the manager. Bull crap. Well, to, to that point, you know, you said mid 2000s. You actually have a guy who won a World Series for you, for your organization, 15 years ago. Ooh, what about him? What, what about uh, what about Ozzie Guillen, Rickon? Ozzie Guillen will, will not be a candidate. For oh, the come we on. We have tremendous respect, appreciation, and love for Ozzy for what he did for this organization during his tenure as manager, as well as thrilled with the fact that he is still around as part of the organization. But Jerry, Kenny, and I have spent a lot of time thinking this through in terms of the fit going forward. And we don't feel that at this time, it's with this team and where we're at, the best way to get to that next level, we didn't feel like it's that Ozzy would be the right fit. Jerry called Ozzy directly this morning to share that information with him directly out of respect for him. And because obviously we understand the nature of these things is it leads to rampant speculation immediately and didn't think it'd be fair to have his name out there as part of the speculation. Yeah, so there you have it. Ozzy Guillen will not be the next manager. That hurt my heart a little bit that they were so quick to 
you know, uh, to put it out there. But I, I guess a, a fast no is better than a slow yes, like we always talk about. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, there's going to be a lot of White Sox fans still, even after hearing that, are still going to say, "Well, what about Azzy?" Well. All he has to do is wait 20 more years, and he'll be the same age <laughs> as Tony Russo is currently. Oh, and they'll be like, oh, hey, Ozzy, you want to manage the White Sox? Bob Nightingale still be throwing out that, by the way. But, yeah, um, I, I want Ozzy just for the great pre and post and make that job, a part of my job, a little bit more interesting. I can listen out for cuss words. I can hear some interesting conversations between him, Merck, and all the rest of the guys on the beat, guys and girls on the beat. Um, that's the only reason I would want Ozzy on the White Sox because I know it would be some action. I know it would be fun to cover his pre and post during the game, all that good stuff. But, yeah, his role right now as a guy on pre and post for NBC Sports Chicago and if he wants to expand his role uh, to back to a national show, I would love that too because he needs to be somewhere – in Major League Baseball doing whatever he wants to do. If he wants to manage again, I think a team out there, Detroit comes to mind, should give him that chance to do what he wants to do because he's he's got a skin on the wall, and the only reason he's not managing right now is because his uh, dumb words he said about Fidel Castro down there in Miami, and that's the wrong place to say it. And even though he had already said it up here in Chicago, you got to know your audience. Absolutely. Well, that about does it for us today. Uh, you know, just – a weird day, uh, exciting day. You know, the, the the possibilities here are really intriguing for the White Sox and which road they'll go down with their next manager. But it'll definitely be interesting when we'll be here breaking it down. We'll talk about all the candidates as they become available and who we like and who we don't like as this thing goes uh, along. But uh, I would expect, my gut says A.J. Hinch. What about you? What does your gut say right now as we sit? My gut says they're going to get turned down by AJ Hinch and downshift Alex Cora. Who do, where do you and think where do you think Hinch is going to go? I think he's going to go to a better place. Uh, I mean, no, I know the White Sox have, you know, all the things going for them right now, especially the ball club and uh, availability, but I don't know if there's a as an actual link there with AJ Hinch and the White Sox. I know that Dallas Keuchel's there, but that's probably not enough. I think Alex Cora he had his brother Joey play for the organization for a long time. He speaks language. He speaks uh, Spanish and English. Uh, long-time career. Uh, I think he played down at Vanderbilt with his brother Joey Cora. He could bring Joey back to the fold. It just makes all the sense. And he was down there in Houston helping out, and then he won a world championship, tainted as it may be, in Boston. So I think my heart of hearts, they're going to go with Alex Cora instead of going with A.J. Hinch. I think they're going to try to go for A.J. Hinch. I think A.J. Hinch is going to be a hotly contested uh, candidate more than Cora, and they're going to downshift to Cora. All right. We'll have to see how it plays out, and uh, we'll, we'll put the hey, mail. Do you want a better steak dinner on this one? <laughs> no, I have no idea. Like, I don't uh, know. I, I mean, it's one-on-one. We could both be wrong. No. Get Tony, Tony LaRusso out here. Oh, man. But that that's oh, the thing. Bevington again. That yeah, that's the thing, man. Like I, you know, I I don't have a, a strong strong gut feeling, but if you wanna if you wanna bet if you wanna bet a steak dinner, we can do that. I, I'll I'll say it's gonna be AJ Hinch because of how swiftly they acted today, and they they just they really had to think about this. I think like they could have easily come out. Rick Renteria didn't lose any games since the Sox were eliminated, so something happened here, and and they really thought you know is this really the best 
a spot for us and they had their exit interviews and maybe Dallas Keuchel said a few nice things about AJ Hinch and I, I think that w- that explains this a little more clearly here uh, as to why they waited uh, almost two weeks to announce this uh, with nothing happening yeah, and, in between and also the words they used mutually parted ways my ass <laughs> well Rick Hahn yeah. told both those people you're fired we can give you the severance package what do you say Ricky Renteria is like do I have any other choice no same thing with Coop do I have any choice no all right we mutually it's just a soft way to say they fired because they both had contracts beyond this year they got fired so do not believe the hype don't let anybody say semantics to you like well they didn't get fired they got fired just like Joe Madden got fired. Yeah, he had no more extra years. He got fired. That is a firing. So remember that they did not want those two people to be on the rest of the 2021 and beyond teams. Imagine, like I said on air, crawling through all that shit like Andy Dufresne. Andy Dufresne. And then not getting to Sanway Wataneo, whatever it's called. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Like just like them, like Hadley and them. <laughs> by the way, great booking by you today on uh, the Danny Parker oh, show to get the Clancy actor. Brown. Clancy Brown had thoughts about Rick Renteria today of yes, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, um, yeah. Imagine that. Do you think? Do you think uh, Coop's gonna be gonna be there, sanding down a, a boat <laughs> when when Ricky gets there? No. He's he's gonna be he's gonna be in the jail, fucking getting beat by Hadley every day in the hole because he oh, didn't no. get to make it to the. San, San Watsonayo. Get, get Boggs out of there, and I'm not talking about Wade. <laughs> so, just, like, that's the only thing I feel sorry. Like, they had to go to garbage just to get to this oasis. They they got a taste of it. They got to the Portland Bank, about to cash a check, about to get on the bus, and they get riled up and get kicked out of the fucking uh, kicked out of San Watsonayo and go back to the prison. Oh, it's so terrible, so terrible for them. But you know this uh. A zero sum business, even though he won, they don't think you can win more. So, whatever, Ricky. Right, I so, feel sorry for the guy. The man's great. All right. So is Coop. Coop's got great jokes. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a, as good as a man. We'll do a Coop uh, send off properly and talk about our favorite Coop moments over the years. But, uh, all right, so let's let's make the bet. The White Sox next manager, I say it'll be A.J. Hinch. I would like my stake from Gene and Giorgetti, please. I say it's going to be Alex Cora. I would like my stake from I'll go Gene Giorgetti too. It's a Chicago institution. Absolutely. I'll even get mine specifically from the one downtown. Okay. I like both locations. Uh but yeah, all right, that's a bet then. We're we're shaking on it. All right. That does it for us today, uh, for this edition of Locked On White Sox. Thank you guys for checking us out today, and we'll, we'll get more. Uh, we'll get back on track with a more consistent schedule this week. We still have our report cards to give out to the offense, and we still have some other things that Rick Hahn broke down in that press conference today, which we'll get to tomorrow, I believe. We'll talk about some of the news and notes that came out of there that were non-managerial related. But that's all I got tonight, Herbie. All right. Thank you for listening to this version of Locked On Sox. Very, very, uh, it's not, I guess most White Sox fans are very happy with the moves that the White Sox made today. I didn't see one negative email or tweet or anybody on our lines at the 670 to score today not thinking that this was the right move. It's fine. It's a good move, but needs to be followed up with more action. Lockedonsocks at gmail.com to participate in our Mailbag Monday 
Talk Back Tuesday, you say? Talk Back Tuesday, What Up Wednesday, you know, uh, what do you think Thursday? Yeah, what do you think Thursday, you know? Um, so, I don't know. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to them because there's some good questions in there. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com to participate. We'll still do it. And the show is at LockedOnSocks on Instagram and on Twitter. Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill on Twitter. Me, I'm at EctorWall23. That's just Lawrence spelled backwards at the number 23. So, for Chris Tannehill, I am Herb Lawrence. We are Locked on Socks, and thank you for listening to this episode of Locked on Socks.